Welcome back to the Perpetual Wealth Podcast, a show for clients of Paradigm Life. This season, we're empowering you to take control of your financial future using the core principles of the Perpetual Wealth Strategy. Now, before we dive in, a quick but essential disclaimer. While this podcast is primarily for our valued clients at Paradigm Life, it's open to anyone interested in enhancing their financial knowledge. However, please remember that our information should not be taken as a direct tax, legal, or financial advice. We strongly recommend consulting with a wealth strategist at Paradigm Life or your financial team before making any decisions based on our discussions. Today, we continue our journey into cash flow, protection, and wealth building, the foundational principles of the perpetual wealth strategy. Let's dive in and explore how to optimize your wealth and achieve financial independence. Your journey continues now. Okay, in this video, we're going to talk about what high cash value means. So the wealth maximization account is this core financial product that uh, we put at the foundation of our client's financial life because of all the different roles that it plays. Now, we've just talked about uh, whole life, its characteristics, how it works, some of the application. Now we're going to get into how do you maximize cash value. So this is essentially a strategic design by uh, our wealth strategists that essentially minimize the death benefit coverage and maximizes the liquid uh, living benefits that the policy owner gets. Uh, now, the strategic design is important because all clients come to us at different stages of life. They all come to us with different financial circumstances. Uh, and so usually we position life insurance just depending on those circumstances. But ultimately, we're gonna talk about how life insurance is the ideal wealth vehicle uh, and where it sits with your other assets. So you guys will get an understanding of what that, what that looks like. Well, let's first talk about high cash value whole life or max funded whole life. Uh, what, is, what does that mean? John, I know that you answer this question a lot and help educate clients on, on what that means and what parties are involved that regulate uh, life insurance and you know, why we want to essentially maximize benefits but not necessarily interrupt the tax benefits, which is a big component of uh, the wealth maximization account. Yeah, well you, you hit on a few of the key components, but you know, when, we, when we talk about just typical insurance, whether it's just a standard whole life insurance or a term policy, the solve is really on the death benefit or the coverage. That's the focus. And now how much is it going to cost? Right? When we go with a high cash value policy, uh, the emphasis there is on the cash value and it's really on the premiums. So the solve is really, um, you know, here's something I want to pay or can pay or, you know, as far as the premium. And then what is the least amount of death benefit that I can get for that? And that's, um, that's the primary focus when it's a cash value policy. Now, as we do that, the, the IRS, you know, in the late 80s came out and created a few guidelines and this is a little bit understood because there, you know, a lot of people go, okay, what's, what's, my pre what's my required amount to put in? And it's really interesting because the regulations the IRS put in place, it's not a dollar amount limitation like a 401k or an IRA or an HSA. It's more of a relationship. And that relationship is, is quite complicated because being life insurance, that relationship is between the death benefit and the cash value. 
So different ages can change that, different genders and health. But, but those are really the regulations we go in as we solve. We're trying to make it as cash efficient as possible uh, and still stay within those guidelines. Yeah, I think the, the initial trigger for the IRS was there were people purchasing insurance not for the purpose of insurance. They were purchasing insurance uh, purely for the tax benefits associated with it. So they limited that and required a certain amount of insurance uh, for what you were paying in uh, as premium. So this is part of our educational program uh, that we take clients through uh, when we meet with them one-on-one -on -one and kind of sh show that. But as you mentioned, these limitations pertain to each individual policy, right? Based on uh, the age, the you know male or, or female, the sex of the, the client, uh, as well as uh, the premium amount and the subsequent death benefit. So, and the health. And, and health, obviously yep. health too. So, health is a big factor. So yeah, a lot of people go, oh, can we get, can we get that calculation? And it's, it's very, very difficult because of all those factors mm -hmm. and being involved with the life insurance. So, yep. so one thing to, to take into consideration, right, is doing it this way, establishing this asset is, uh, is important. You also have to look at uh, how much, okay? Because this is, this is an asset that you can, you know, similar to other accounts, like you can have something minimal uh, or you can have a lot of it. Um, I know you've accumulated quite a few policies over uh, over the years. Uh, I'm at 20 because I started out, you know, with oh, you smaller <laughs> smaller policies, yeah. like some small ones with kids, even even me starting out. But then as you know, you start to see how it works, and you know, you obviously your business and your profession takes off. You add more and add more and add more. But the idea behind it, right, is to ensure that it's doing the jobs that you want it to do, and that's why the clients' circumstances and situations are all different. You may be starting out and you know, have a lot of student loan debt and are in your first career. Well, life might not be the best uh, approach. It might be term insurance to get started and establish a good spending strategy. And as you pay off your student loan debt, then it's like incorporating one policy, maybe two. Then you get married, then you have kids, you establish kids' policies to pay for educational expenses. So that's what's awesome about the flexibility is you're not necessarily restricted on dollar amounts, which is a good thing, right? Because within a 401k, within a Roth IRA, within an IRA, a lot of other uh, plans that are popular for people to use to build wealth have dollar amount restrictions. These are policies where you can accumulate quite a, a few of them. The restrictions are really placed on the insurance company because they're not going to give you more insurance or sell you more insurance than, uh, than you're worth. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the nice thing is, is, because there's not that limitations, you know, we, we deal with people who are, like you say, just, just getting out of college and have student loan debt, uh, all the way up to people who want to put away millions per year in a policy. And so they all have the same ratio on how it's built, but not a, a specific dollar limit. And the other question, you know, you brought up is, you know, people go, well, Patrick has 20 policies, you know, John has 17, I got to work on that, right? <laughs> Why so many, right? And it's not that you set out and said, I want to have X number of policies, it's that we're working within our cash flow at the time we set the policy up, and we're working within those IRS uh, guidelines. And if each policy has similar um, ways that are built, we can also look at those death benefits and the other living benefits on, on individuals that I'm not sure we'll get into in this video or not, but some of the, the critical illness or terminal illness, and make sure that you know, we're not just building our wealth uh, on one person. We're spreading that protection between multiple people. Um, great for education costs on children. So a lot of ways we can use this and why people would have multiple 
multiple tools, but it's not simply, or multiple uh, wealth maximization accounts. It's not simply that they're more efficient by having multiple tools. It's cash flow and individuals, the protection compen- com- um, uh, component, component that we're building out. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you an example there because, you know, obviously the, the accumulation of multiple policies, it, again, it, it, you establish them at a specific point in time based on your financial situation. And then that changes and you continue to add investments. You add uh, maybe other endeavors like owning a business uh, or you have other liabilities. Maybe you purchase a rental property. So as, as your life unfolds, okay, obviously evaluating your entire financial life is important, but specifically to the wealth maximization account and how you're using, uh, how you're using it is also important. So I'll give you an example with, you know, my, my kids have two policies each, and we really haven't done much because the first use was going to be uh, with, with college. Now, there has been policy loans that we've used over the years that, you know, they'll buy a computer or buy an iPad or buy something small, and I've taught them the responsibility aspect of money, which is money just doesn't come off of trees like most kids think it does. You know, you have to actually earn it and put something on the line, have skin in the game. So I've taught my kids, like, how to use... Uh, the policy loan to buy things they want, and then they do chores, work around the office, and earn the money back. But now my daughter, my oldest, is going to be going to uh, college, and there's a lot of educational expenses. So we're really going to use a substantial amount of her policies. Okay, and she essentially, and I have, and her mom, um, my wife, have an agreement, right, as far as like how that money is to be replenished. But in the future, the way in which our estate has been structured is a lot of money will be transferred to, uh, to, my, to my estate planning and ultimately for the benefit of my kids and grandkids and so forth. But their insurance policies are going to essentially pay out to the trust when they pass on, right? So again, there's multiple uses, obviously for educational purposes, for teaching your kids, for protection for kids, also very important. But then as the kids' lives unfold, Okay, it can be used to teach them, but it can be used for educational expenses. And ultimately, as part of an estate plan, the money that is in their death benefit will go to uh, the estate as a beneficiary and replenish money that they use from the estate that I pass on. I know it may have been a little bit complicated, but again, this is just to demonstrate that you know, the core of your financial life, having a wealth maximization account there, allows you to essentially optimize you know, the use of money, both from a short-term uh, as well as a long-term perspective. Absolutely. And uh, similar strategies, a little different outcomes. You know, I have three children. Both, both of us have three. I've got two policies on each of my children. The strategy for me was one that I totally planned to give to them, and my oldest two I already have. They've used it to purchase a car. They've used it to purchase investments. They both bought, uh, in, in 2020, both bought a, a home with the cash value of the policy. The second one, very similar to Pat, will go back to our family trust. It will never be theirs. And what's cool is this is an asset that you own, you control. When they're minors, you have control of the cash value. You have control of the the premiums, the use of it. And you don't have to pass it on if that's not in the best interest of them or the family. Um, you, You have control of the asset the entire time. So looking at, again, maximizing cash value, okay, obviously there's emphasis on cash. There's emphasis on uh, the liquidity side of things and how you can use that for short, uh, short-term, medium-term, long-term, sky's the limit, right, as far as its use. We've seen clients use uh, policy loans and policies for a myriad of different purposes, uh, but there's still protection there. There is a death benefit. So typically what we do 
right, from a life insurance or protection standpoint is we look at, hey, what is the, the coverage for the specific circumstance that would be required uh, for the individual, right? To replace their income is typically the test, but to replace their income in the event that there was premature death. So typically what we do is use a complementary uh, term insurance policy that's converted, uh, that's convertible, meaning that as you establish a wealth maximization account, you fund it, usually that funding has some limitations because you eventually reach some IRS limitations. And so instead of stopping the funding of that first policy, you can now convert some of the term insurance that was protecting what we call human life value, which is essentially indemnifying your income and those that benefit from your income if something were to happen to you prematurely. And you can convert either fully or partially that term insurance coverage into a new wealth maximization account. So the idea is that you want to start off and establish these financial tools at the foundation, but as your life unfolds, as it evolves, that is when you start to essentially add another, add another, add another, just based on the circumstances that you're in. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at the, the high cash value policy, you know, a lot of people, that seems like a very strange thing because they look at a death benefit. They look at life insurance as strictly this event that happens when you're gone. So I think a lot of people have a, a hard time grasping, why would I want a high cash value policy? Why would I want to stuff more money inside of there if it's just something that goes to someone after I'm gone, right? And pay more for than versus just term. And uh, man, the, the, the uses of what you can use it for as you hit on, whether it's uh, education, emergencies, investments, business, and you know, ultimately it's the perfect hedge uh, in, in retirement for volatility if you have a 401k or an IRA or something like that. So that, no. that's really the difference between a wealth maximization account versus just a typical whole, whole life. life policy. Now, looking at how it relates to the other financial vehicles, investments, uh, and it, I would say asset-based uh, asset interest that you have okay, is the role that it plays alongside those other assets. So we, we don't advocate the wealth maximization account as the only financial vehicle and product that, that you have. So uh, probably 2013, 2014, we uh, conceptualized this idea called the hierarchy of wealth. And the hierarchy of wealth was akin to how modern portfolio uh, theory works, which is essentially financial training that we get uh, that has been around for a really long time, even though it still says modern. Uh, but it's, it's essentially the, uh, it's the mix or the proportions of risk-based assets to uh, safety assets. And so the typical breakdown was uh, stocks and bonds, bonds being a more safe uh, asset with uh, interest, fixed interest associated uh, over, over time, paid out over time. And then equities, equities were the equity of a business and typically has a lot more volatility, but potential for growth. So we essentially conceptualize the wealth max or the uh, hierarchy of wealth because we realize that, okay, some of our clients have a financial acumen that others don't. They uh, have an affinity toward uh, understanding how companies work and can choose companies intelligently uh, where they realize their cash flows and can participate in dividends. And then other clients who didn't have it, they just threw money at the wall and hope it stuck. Same thing in the real estate capacity, right? Lots of clients who uh, are real estate investors that have gone through multiple real estate cycles and also real estate investors that were just getting in the game. 
So the idea of having a wealth maximization account to complement our clients' uh, specific and very different uh, interests and backgrounds and education is essentially the hierarchy of wealth where we positioned certain financial vehicles into four tiers. The first tier is tier one. Tier one is essentially uh, the assets that had the least amount of risk and the highest returns uh, for that risk, and then where you have the ideal control and influence uh, over the asset. And then tier two okay, is continually going up that hierarchy, adopting a little bit more risk, but having, still having control to tier three, adopting you know, a, a lot more risk and less control, and ultimately to tier four, which is really high risk with no control. So how we look at whole life is in that tier one realm where it is an asset that you have optimal control and it has the least amount of risk, but it's not a savings account where you don't earn anything. It has a really good return with some tax efficiency there as well. And that's just the asset part of it. We're not talking about the policy loan. We're not talking about uh, essentially the death benefits and the legacy value. We're just specifically talking about within that hierarchy of wealth, the cash value component uh, of, of assets. Yeah, and it really, you know, the, the cash value portion has significantly changed how I invest, the assets I buy, uh, just how I set up my whole financial future. Because at the end of the day, anytime we're building any type of wealth, it comes down to liquidity. We talked about protection. Um, you know, you look at even with the recent bank failures, uh, they had a liquidity issue. 2008, the difference between keeping assets and losing assets was a liquidity, liquidity. issue. And most people did not have liquidity because liquidity paid nothing. And they got very comfortable in the risks they were taking and, and put the money in, into assets that were great assets they couldn't hold on to. So the high cash value, you know, being a tier one asset really, um, you know, is going to maximize what should be there anyway by giving us a higher return. And it's, it's part of the protection piece. You know, I'm more liquid now than I, I'd ever been in any of my investing and um, in, in turn, making more money with it. And especially from an investment standpoint, liquidity to most investors means no rate of return. So therefore, people want to get a rate of return. They have an investment opportunity. So that's where the wealth maximization account comes in because it gets a good, you know, pretty tax efficient uh, return, but it complements these uh, other assets. And from a liquidity yeah. standpoint, you know, sometimes you look at liquidity and, okay, what, what area of that cash flow protection and wealth is liquidity. I look at it more for cash flow because in the cash flow sense, you know, we have expected expenses, our fixed expenses, and we have variable expenses which may fluctuate from one month to the next. But then we have unexpected things that happen, right? It could be a job loss. Uh, it could be a paying out, having to pay a deductible, high deductible on on insurance. It could be something for the kids. It could be health related. Okay, so having liquidity buffers healthy cash flow. Because in the end, you know, ca positive cash flow is going to allow you to build wealth, but that cash flow can get interrupted. So having liquidity to buffer that cash flow is vital. But usually what happens is when there's job loss, when there's market volatility, when something happens, people resort to either liquidating their assets prematurely, which ruins the compound curve because the asset's not there mm -hmm. anymore. Right. And usually it's with 401ks and market based market based assets, you know, qualified plans, maybe where they have to pay a penalty and they have to pay taxes in addition to getting that, you know, getting that uh, money out that's going to buffer their cash flow until they get a new job uh, or whatever the circumstances. And the, the funny thing is, you know, when you, when you hit an emergency and you have a liquidity need, it, it, it's usually 
something major has happened. A lot of times that's, like you say, a job loss because the economy's not that good. It's uh, you got to sell a property because again, job loss, whatever it is, you're usually in those situations of forced liquidity at not the prime time to liquidate assets. Mm -mm, never. And yeah, so so having the liquidity here in a high cash value policy is, is paramount to that foundation. And I look yeah. at you know, John, you, you you brought up some good you brought up some good points, and as we've established in this series, like life's gonna happen. Like there are gonna be events that. You, you don't anticipate. It could be health-related, could be relationship-related, could be economy-related, uh, your job. There's so many different things that can happen. And oftentimes, we just think that, okay, life is just going to play out in a very, you know, uh, you know in, a, in a straight line, milestone-by-milestone milestone way. But it's, it's not. Like, rarely do planes fly from point A to point B, right? Planes, depending on the environment, the air pressure, the weather, the time of year, the altitude, the pass, you know, the weight of the plane and the passenger count, it's like they're all over the place, right? They're constantly course correcting, right? So I look at really being able to have liquidity that's still earning a good return so you don't feel like there's opportunity costs associated with not being able to invest. Okay, you're still protected. You earn a good rate of return. And in the event that life disrupts your strategy or plan, you have a liquid asset that you can tap into to buffer that cash flow, weather the storm, and ideally capitalize on that situation, especially if it's like a market downturn, like we talked about 2008, 2009, 2010. It's the ideal time to buy real estate, yeah. okay? but most people had over leverage, got afraid, that emotion played into their decision making, and they just went to all cash and no way I'm getting into real estate. But those that were able to approach the subject rationally, unemotionally, were able to capitalize on opportunities and clean up. Absolutely. And, you know, I, th I think a few people that, uh, you know, are, are anti-life insurance or anti-high cash value policies, um, they really come from a standpoint of saying, um, you know, comparing this to starting your own business, comparing this to doing real estate, comparing this to one of these other things. And this is never meant to replace something like that. It's meant to facilitate. We all, we talked about liquidity, but we all should have reserves from a personal side. We all should have reserves from a business side. If we have rental properties, we sure should have reserves for repairs and vacancies, et cetera. So this is basically meant to make everything we should already be doing, make it easier to do, make it more efficient when we do it, and really a place to store that capital so that we, we've got that proper foundation in place when we're ready to move. So, so one last thing I'll, I'll talk about, and then uh, we'll move on to our next uh, more, probably more engaging videos because we're going to be you know, using some visual tools. But it's, it's the stages of life that are most important. I think the financial services world, what we've been uh, taught by our conditioning is growth, right? It is um, investing money. It's having a balanced portfolio. It's investing here or there. It, there's a growth stage of life where we're accumulating wealth. Hopefully by now you've seen that it's just as important to uh, have protection along the way of wealth accumulation because life is going to be disruptive. But eventually you cross a path where your wealth is compounded, it's materialized, and you're going to start using that wealth to supplement or replace the income that you currently earn by trading you know, time for, uh, time for money. When that happens, it, this is where you've accumulated assets other than life insurance. You have equity in a home, you have equity in a business, you have, maybe have some retirement accounts, brokerage accounts, uh, or other investments. So the idea with life insurance and the role that it plays then, it may have helped you accumulate wealth along the way. It buffered cash flow, 
It protected you. Uh, it served as a funding vehicle for education. I mean, the list goes on. But when you get to the point where you cross this line, where now your wealth is going to play an income role, that is where life insurance, uh, especially these wealth maximization accounts that you've established, will now become your legacy asset. They're still going to be there where you can make withdrawals, you can take loans, you can use dividends as a supplemental income, but you can accelerate the, I would say, a qualified plan. What we've found over the years is a qualified plan, like a 401k or other retirement account, is meant to use for income. But what ends up happening is clients don't use it for income, right? Because they don't have any other vehicles to pass on to their kids, right? They don't really have the certainty that with, when something happens to them, this is like their legacy asset that's going to pay out. But what we found is as we're able to position the death benefit of life insurance for a retirement income strategy, you're able to accelerate and optimize these other accounts that were intended for income. But then you can also start to leverage assets that weren't intended for income. And this is where, you know, we can get into to multiple strategies. Um, but I would say most people have a business equity if they own a small business. There's a, in some incredible strategies of how to use permanent life insurance uh, to, tap into, uh, to tap into your business equity uh, and use that while you're alive to create an income stream. Same thing with like our, uh, our primary residence. A really cool vehicle is a reverse mortgage. Now, similar to you know, most financial gurus' per, uh, uh, perspectives on life insurance, everyone, they all, usually they don't, they don't like uh, reverse mortgages either. But when you have a legacy asset that's going to fund your estate and there's some certainty there, it allows you to tap into tax-free money in the form of a, a reverse mortgage. And so it's a really powerful strategy and a lot of others as well. But the idea is the role of a wealth maximization account okay, changes as your life unfolds right? There's benefits in certain roles that it plays initially. And then as you kind of approach that peak stage uh, of your life in your 40s, 50s, uh, mid 50s, going into your 60s, and then that later stage of life, it also has application. And I'm actually gonna bring up one, one final thing. So again, we're trying to, to make the case where whole life plays multiple, multiple roles throughout your life. There's a couple other riders, uh, a few of which come uh, automatically with a wealth maximization account with a whole life insurance policy called uh, a chronic uh, illness or a chronic and critical illness rider. Uh, and this is paramount because it's another vehicle that could potentially help you in the later stages of life to uh, pay out or accelerate death benefits for the purpose of paying for these types of expenses. Yeah, absolutely. And that just, just another one of the, what we call living benefits. So it's not just something that uh, someone else gets after we're gone. All right, so hopefully you guys have, have really seen how the application of a wealth maximization account or a, a number of wealth maximization accounts that you accumulate through your life uh, pertain uh, to the stage of life that you're in uh, and fulfill roles that improve your financial life. And ultimately, the goal of the perpetual wealth strategy is for your wealth to materialize with certainty. And that's why we feel so strongly about positioning uh, a wealth maximization account at the foundation of your financial life.